talk about no priorities. That's K-N-O-W priorities. I'm Randy Skopasek, and in this podcast, we'll talk with people in the industry about product prioritization. Our guest today is Mike Oath. He's the CEO of OnSip Business VoiceOver IP and the winner of the Telecommunications Executive of the Year in the 2013 American Business Awards. He graduated from Harvard in 91 with a degree in economics and has since worked for tech companies, co-founding Onsip in 2004. He's an active community member and father, balancing his roles as a board member for the local YMCA, member of the father-daughter Y Group Adventure Princesses, coach for his three daughters' basketball teams, and rock climber with his teenage son. You can find and follow him on Twitter at VoipCEO. To kick this off, how, how do you or how does uh, product prioritization work for Onsip and Junction Networks currently? Right, right. So we have a long list of uh, long wish list of, uh, <laughs> of products and features and, and things that we would like. And we uh, it, it starts uh, for the most part in the uh, sales and support side of the business, just mm-hmm. re- requests that we're getting from customers, either in, in sales calls or existing customers through the support channel. And we build up a list and we, we keep the list in a in a system called Lighthouse. And then what happens is engineering goes and gives us kind of a, you know, a, a best guess at how long this feature would take. If this is a, something that's relatively quick and easy or something that, that this is a much larger project. And then as the executive team, we go through and, and kind of sort um, you know, market potential versus, you know, uh, you know time to market and uh, try to get our products out that way. Okay. So, yeah, yeah going, to gra- going to gather scope from the engineering team, sitting down with the brain trust, uh, C-level, VP-level, et cetera. Yeah. Um, uh, do awesome. you... Uh, I know in some other previous interactions with with us, we've had uh, some. Oh, we want this feature, and you know, reporting this and and push for that. Uh, is is there a time when you find uh, you're like collaborating with the, from the feature sets back with the customers or other partners and such? Like I send in a feature request and it gets mm-hmm. on your list and. You're like, well, for market validation, I think this is a good idea, but I'd, I'd kind of like to find out from some of the other uh, customers out there. Do you do you ever reach back out right. there for them, or do you just wait to see who's feeding in uh, those types of requests? It's it's rare that we'll get a completely one-off request. Um uh, you know, maybe every once in a while we'll see something like, oh, can you integrate with XYZ CRM platform? Uh, okay, maybe we'll, maybe we'll only get one or two of those. But 
for the most part, the, re- the requests that we get, if we get one, we get three. And then if we get three, we get 10. And so that they just kind of in, end up kind of working themselves out. We will, we have, um, uh, a, a couple of our resellers who are very, 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 very active um, have uh, reached out to a, a large number of customers and we will go out to them and see, ask them, what, what are you seeing in the marketplace? Uh, what, what exactly are your customers asking for? So when we get down to, all right, we've got these four or five products, like um, most recently was um, the that we launched was the uh, ACDQ mm-hmm. um, uh, reporting, uh, sort of the ability to uh, report on different facets of your ACDQ, as well as being able to um, listen as an administrator, uh, as an admin to the queue, be able to listen to one of your agents on a call uh, and whisper to that agent, so only the agent hears it, and and even to to barge to break into the call and, and talk to talk to both sides of the call. So before we started the development on that, we actually went, we did actually go out and okay, we're in the you know final stretch before before we start coding. What exactly are are you looking for, and what's what's going to make the the biggest market impact? So yeah, yeah. So yeah, we There's do reach back out. We want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. What do you feel uh, kind of works and um, doesn't work when it comes to gathering feedback from your customers and partners and uh, yeah. everyone you try and include, in- employees included? Yeah. The the biggest thing you have to worry about in, in, in my mind is, you know, the, the the customer who's yelling the loudest or the you know the most recent thing that you heard that that's not the best way to figure out what you know what should your next product be mm-hmm. um you know the you you really need to have some sort of a process follow that process and 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 trust it and and kind of stick with it um, too many times we've had, oh, this is, you know, we're not going to get this deal if we don't have this, this feature. Okay. Uh, you know, because the, you know, our, we're just going to have to pass on that deal because what that means is we're going to have to take, take the engineering team that's working on the next release, stop yeah. everything and put that on hold and go over here and, and develop this this feature. And then when we come back to it, we, you don't get to just start right up where you left off. It's it's kind of like a commercial break. You have to go back and recap what what happened just before the commercial and, and then move forward from there. So um, it's it's very, very, very inefficient to uh, to disrupt the development process. Uh, to 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 change course, change strategies. Um, even when you're on the same project, it, it's that you know the best thing you can do is to have a very clear idea of where that uh, where that product is going, what the what the end result is, and then and then stick with it. So do all your research ahead of time before they, they write that first line of code. Um, Changing because what they'll do is they will go out the, the good smart engineering team like we have will go out and do all the research right what's the best tool for this what's the best database what's the best interface and so forth and, and do all that research and then 
and then move forward. You start changing things. Well, now they've got to go all the way back to that research phase again. So, um, so to have, have a process stick to it and then uh, have some, some consistency once it, once it gets going. Is, is the primary channel for, for gathering feedback from customers like phone calls or like web requests or emails or do you have like, I, I don't e- know if you have are, trade shows too or, or stuff like that. We, we don't go to a lot of trade shows. Um, mostly the, the ones that we go to are for our channel, uh, mm-hmm. the, the channel side of the house, which is good. We, and we get good feedback there, but uh, emails are the best because it's it's in the customer's own words. It's not transcribed through somebody else. And we can go back and ask for more details. Uh, so emails are great. Um, but just, you know, when you're calling up and, and either both in, in pre-sales, so before uh, someone is in a, a customer and talking to the sales side of the house, um, you know, we, we get a lot of uh, a lot of information there. We we track a lot of that, and then on uh, the customer service side. So once once someone is an existing customer, then the request that they that they have. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, what do, what do you feel are kind of the hardest uh, or most flawed parts of that process that you have to deal with? about gathering the feedback, about prioritizing, choosing what's next to, to deal with. Right. Um, the, the tough parts, the flawed parts, um, just not being thorough enough and really thinking all the way through to what the web interface is, is going to look like all all the way through to that final step. How is a customer going to interact with this? Um, Like uh, call recording, for example, Hey, we want call recording on inbound calls in the queue. Great. As a, as a product, that's, that's great, but that's nowhere near sufficient enough as a description of the product. Uh, for us to, for an engineering team to go out and, and develop that. Um, so really, really detailed. It, it's kind of like, um, it, you know, a, a director shooting a movie. You you want to get all the way down to, to where you've got um, the little storyboards. Um, mm-hmm. here, here's what's going to happen. Here's what each shot is going to look like. Uh, and, and we try to get down to, uh, down to that level before, before we even start. Um, there's otherwise there's, there's just too much ambiguity and you end up in development teams. We, we run in sprints, two week sprints mm-hmm. on our uh, development team. And you come to the end of the sprint and they show you what you've done. Like, this is nothing like what I had in <laughs> mind or, or whatever. And, and luckily that doesn't, that doesn't happen very often yeah. because everyone's pretty much on the same page. So the good news is it's only a two week sprint, but the bad news is you know, it's two weeks that would, that'd be gone if you, uh, you know, with bad planning. So. Mm-hmm. So when an idea or a feature request comes in, having some, having enough of the business analysis done for that feature mm-hmm. request from soup to nuts, uh, like you right. said, not not just the the back end coding that needs to be done for that, but uh, potentially what tool sets, the scope around it, the the UI side that needs to be done yep. if you need to distribute yep. it. So. Um, okay. So, so 
acquiring the correct scope around whatever the feature is seems to be the harder, right. harder parts. Okay. Right. Right. And, and, and doing that and, and doing it well, uh, and also going out and, and seeing what the competition has. Uh, so our, our marketing team, what competition? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, our marketing team does that from, um, uh, mostly by talking to some of our agents and, and so forth. Uh, but uh, going out and doing that and and seeing a lot of what we're starting to do now um, on the on the hosted PBX side are in, in a lot of cases little standalone apps. So go in and look at what those standalone apps can do and, and do do and see how we can kind of fold that into the, the larger hosted PBX realm. Okay. Do you ever do you ever find it complicated to like deal with I've got X X Y and Z feature requests that came in from customers regardless how many customers like they're all cheering it mm-hmm. on and then you have right. this other stratagem of where you want the product to go anyway that you're not necessarily sharing any of that and you're like uh, I'm going to disappoint people <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go this way. Yeah, we'll we'll take a couple of these smaller items that are going to be bigger wins for them, but we need to go this other path that they have no idea about. Yeah, unfortunately, that uh, yeah that 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 happens all the time. Um, uh, we um, and I'm I'm going to cheat here uh, and look up where the the book is. I'm forgetting the name of this book. Um, uh, I can't find it right now, but anyway, uh, we have the the hedgehog concept. So, I don't think I've heard um, that. Yeah, it's it's uh, a, a business book. I'll 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 send you the link afterwards. Okay. Um, the idea is you it's kind of the the nucleus of the of the company. What what is the what is the core idea? And for for us, it's real time. Uh, communications for small and medium businesses. So things that that don't fit into that nucleus, into that hedgehog, then you know, regardless of the the number of requests, the biggest example I can I can do would be faxing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we get requests for fax integration all the time. Like you know, it's just not where we're going. It's it's not where we see the product. It's not you know, it's not web based video. It's not. It, we we just don't see it as cutting edge, uh, you know, real time communications for small and medium businesses, and so yeah, people are, so, are disappointed all the time. So you can also take on web based printing with that. Probably, yeah. It's just one more feature request. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't actually thought of Onsip in the relation of uh, faxing. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that's, that's but yeah, you're you're exactly right. You have to figure out how these products mesh with where you want the company to be in in five years and ten years. So people may be asking for it, but if that's not where where your vision is, you're going to have to be disappointed. But that's where you as a company have to have that 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 leadership and that discipline to to go and create that vision that you that you think and you hope is the is the right vision that's yeah i think i'm losing the video 
still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. So yeah, the audio sure. sound is fine. Your video okay. looks good. Oh, maybe it's just the video downloading to me. Uh, yeah, vision, vision is definitely important. Um, you know, I see from time to time, um, depending on the arrangement of the product, some people choose to greatly identify with what their vision is and they'll set it up front and they won't let anything get on their quote unquote backlog of, uh, of items to work on. They'll address it there as a gatekeeper. And then mm -hmm. I see other groups that just do one of those kind of agile things where they just say, yeah, go ahead, toss everything on the backlog. It'll just never get prioritized. It'll be at the bottom <clears throat> of, you know, cause no one wants it and, or whatever. Um, I, I tend to like setting the vision up front just so someone can immediately get that feedback of we've looked over it. It makes no sense for our core product. It makes no sense for what we're about to do or where we're going. Maybe in the future if we change our vision of what our product is, but no. And then that way you don't have to keep the baggage on the on the backlog for a long period of time. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, because you always got to prioritize that stuff uh, at some point. Yeah. But uh, um, so, do you ever feel like there are uh, certain groups or types of people? Uh, job roles um, or segments of people that tend to get excluded from having their voice heard on, on what they like and they don't like as far as feature requests are concerned? Yeah. It's a good question. So, uh, and, and you're talking about external to, to the company, uh, right? So like in our, in our customers, not, well, just across the board, like it could be inside your company. It could be outside from what you've seen and experienced. Just thinking you have a, a, a product backlog. You're trying to prioritize that to decide what to do next. So to me, right. everyone is fair game. It doesn't mean you want to include everyone, <laughs> but right. You know, right. Th right. Th that could be the, the assistant sitting at the front door answering stuff. I, I don't know. Sure. Sure. No, it's a, that, that's a very good question. So internally, yeah, you know, we, we definitely have projects where like, wow, that, yeah, that'd be nice, but it's not, it's, it's not going to help us to, to sell the next customer and close the next customer. Um, things like, um, and those are typically things where, okay, do we want to automate it or do we want to throw people at it? Um, and back office type stuff, uh, billing type stuff, um, um, number portability. Uh, we, we, we port hundreds and hundreds of phone numbers every single month. Uh, and it's all a very, very manual process run by two incredibly organized people. <laughs> um, and that's, and that's great. Thank God. Uh, but, but yeah, it's one of those things like, wow, it'd be really nice if we had this whole porting portal where you could put ports in and see where they are and, and all that. But it's, uh, you know, it, it works incredibly well. It's incredibly if, if, uh, effective today, but uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of those kind of internal back office cost center type things where, um, like, yeah, given, given unlimited engineering resources, absolutely. This would be a project, but if it's a choice between a project that's going to get, get revenue over here versus, 
versus just kind of be cool and interesting and, and help mm-hmm. be a little, help us be a little bit more efficient over here. We were, we kind of lean towards the, the revenue side. Mm-hmm. Um, now that being said, we have an extensive uh, user interface um, much more than, than a lot of the competition uh, that I've seen. And for us, that was, that was strategic. That was, uh, we, we spent a lot of time, energy, money on the user interface, but resources-wise, it took the place of, of a whole bunch of uh, like you know, onboarding people and tech support people and so forth. So for, for us, that trade-off was, was, was great and, and made a lot of sense and actually ended up at the, at the end of the day being a, a great um, selling point for us mm-hmm. like oh it's you know, the interface is so easy and it's real time and, and so forth so that decision ended up being um, uh, being a fairly easy one and, and uh, made a lot of sense but but yeah a lot of those are uh, the more internal back office ones are are, are tougher to uh, get those types of projects uh, through the whole so do, whole do you process. feel like the people that are in charge of more of the, the back office stuff when you're having to sit down at the table and decide the next corporate priorities, product priorities that they're not being, I don't want to say not being heard. Um, right. I kind of want to say not being heard in that, but yeah. I mean, even as you're expressing it, yes, you are, you are listening to them, but you're making the choice this direction for obvious reasons. So then I guess it's more of an outside thing where, um, do you feel that there's any types of, of, uh, customers or partners or things either for your own company or for maybe what you see from the competition, what maybe they don't listen to their own customers and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for for us, it's it's um, you know the priorities are uh, benefits to the customers and uh, the the ability to close new sales, attack new markets, attack new verticals. Um, those are the those are the big priorities. So when a kind of back office project dovetails with something like that, then then great, then it's a no brainer. But if it's just to make uh, uh, just a little bit more efficient. It's those are those are tough. The 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 it's when you're when you're pitching a product, it's it's much easier to to pitch and to get through the executive team. If when you talk about potential revenue things like that, it's a little bit tougher when you're saying oh the the, the cost savings versus revenue acquisition. So those are tough. Cost savings. You already got the money in though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't exactly. Have to sell anyone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, are, is there anything that uh, you wish could happen in the prioritization process or the communication with customers and such uh, that you kind of wish could happen, but for whatever reason can't? For yeah, you know, can't right now. Maybe not can't ever, but. Right. Sometimes right. you have those challenges like, well, as soon as we get this thing done uh, over here, we start using X, Y, Z, then maybe we can start including this or. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, one of the, 
I, I think it would be interesting, and I don't know if you could, you know, commit the company to to doing it, but I think it'd be interesting to put out a a maybe a, a Reddit type, uh, you know, voting type, um, uh, up arrow down arrow type of. Um, system for for feature enhancements and, and let customers go and and vote on them and and you know kind of the the whole mass of the customers we've got you know thirty seven thousand some devices connected to our system right now that'd be a lot of votes um and we get a uh, kind of the wisdom if of the crowds <laughs> right yeah. right yeah that'd be the next problem you know we get we get a hundred people voting like that's uh, not gonna it's not gonna do much yeah. So um, that would be that would be interesting. I don't I don't know if you know you're you you do try to to really focus strategically, and in that case, you're kind of giving some of the control up to um, the, you know the crowd, and that that can be a, a little scary. But it 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 would be interesting, and, and it might be one of the things where you could use that as one of the. Um, uh, one of the ways to get product requests and not the way that we will choose the next product that uh, gets developed, but be one of the ways. You can always take yeah. it as an, an advisement of sorts. Yeah. You know, even in yeah. some companies yeah. that use like uh, user, user voice to both take in ideas and let customers or participants kind of vote on things, but it's not a, they don't live and die by that list and what it says. They right. just say, it's a good point. This is when we're listening to you in this particular way, and yeah, we'll take it under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. That makes sense. Okay. So, sorry, I, I thought you were starting to go down a different path. I apologize if I uh, kind of cut you off. Um, yeah. So, uh, having a different way, possibly some somewhere down the line of having, uh, I guess, a tool set to gather feedback and allow customers mm-hmm. and participants to, to vote on them. Um, okay. Um, are, are there uh, things you wish you knew about product prioritization that you feel like you're in the dark about sometimes, you know, is it, and I, I say this because as a, as all of us that are, you know, churning through the business and running business and running products, you only have so much time in the day to like figure things out and, and you, you always yep. try and do your best. Like you referenced that one uh, book that I'll uh, go look up, but to a certain extent, we all still are, kind of searching for the right answers because it's not necessarily product prioritization. It's not really a solved problem, just like customer no. communication is not a solved problem. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things, um, you know, it, it would be nice to have a crystal ball to see what the actual market impact is is going to be from a from a product so you can here's here's a good example uh two years ago or so we put out a um an an all-you-can-eat product so right now onsip is one of the few void providers where you don't pay per user per phone per extension 
You pay $50 a month and then you pay for the minutes that you actually use. And for the, the vast majority of our customers, that, um, that that's a, a huge savings over anything else that they're doing. And but the a couple of years ago, minutes. we came out for the PSTM minutes. Yeah, right, right, right. So extension to extensions are free. The PSTM minutes are, are, um, are what you pay for. And so we came out with a $25 a month, uh, all you can eat. So $25 per seat, um, all you can eat product. And, um, what one, it didn't, it, it didn't take, it didn't dramatically change our close rate. So from, from uh, you know, valid opportunity to closed one opportunities, um, that didn't dramatically change. And after, after a year, we analyzed all of those customers that were paying us $25 per person and all but one would have saved money on the previous product. So we abandoned it. Uh, so we went back to the, um, uh, back to just, uh, $49.95 a month and pay for the minutes. And we see on average that customers are spending about $15 a month for their usage. Um, so paying $25 a month, um, for something that you would normally spend 15 a month, just, just didn't make any sense. So uh, having that crystal ball, seeing what that market impact, we, we would have spent those six or eight months that we spent developing an, an all you can eat platform. We would have spent that doing something else. So, but then again, if they the- all pay you 25 bucks a user, <laughs> uh, fine. I, I, I know we actually, uh, I had actually used that as a baseline at one point in time, trying to do some um, budgeting, saying worst case scenario, we'll get that for everyone. Best case right. scenario, we don't need that. So, uh, I don't think in the end we were one of those people that participated in that. Um, uh, yeah, that offering, right. but it came and went, and yeah. So. Okay. Um, are there, uh, do you feel like there's, uh, some, uh, people or organizations or products out there that you kind of pay attention to, or you think that they do a good job at executing and, and prioritizing their product <clears throat> that, you know, every now and then you like take notes or you just, uh, reflect on from time to time say yeah i i think they're doing a good job right right uh that's that's interesting um within our own industry and i not just we're, we're just so different from everyone since we don't sell things on a per seat basis it's it's hard for us to really compare compare ourselves to our own industry. I mean, outside of our industry, I mean, obviously there's, there's Apple. Um, and to that extent, we, we recently hired a, um, user experience developer. So she, she handles kind of the UI UX, um, side for us and she's been invaluable. So we used to kind of outsource that or, or just, you know, make our best guess and, and, and do it in house. Um, but really focusing on the, the user experience, having that, uh, talent in house, uh, and having it. So since she's, you know, she, everything funnels through her 
and having that consistency of design and consistency of, of experience has, has really helped us. And that was something, yeah, we, we, we did kind of draw from Apple uh, where the, we always knew that the user experience was important. Um, now, customers, for the most part, will use our website extensively for the first two weeks. And then after that, it's very sporadic. So um, it's not it, we're, we, we're not a website that you go to every single day. For the most part, uh, if you have an ACD queue, then you're then then you might get the reports and and log people in and out and, and other things. But, um, uh, but during those first two weeks, it's very very important that you that you feel comfortable in the interface and that things are quick and easy. So she did a, a, a big um, interface redesign. Uh, she's been instrumental in all of the um, Instaphone. Uh, interface design. So, so yeah, that's, that's been a, uh, a big thing good. for us. Oh, yeah, she did a great job. She, she did a really great job. Um, you know, and, and with our focus on being, you know, real time cutting edge communications, the, the interface is going to be the, the web interface is going to be more and more important. It, it, you know, five years ago, the interface was you know, the phone and, and the handset. And we didn't have much, uh, uh, input into that. It was, you know, whatever the phone manufacturer uh, did, but, uh, now between our admin interface and our Instaphone interface, we are having uh, more of an impact. Uh, the, the interface is having more of an impact on, on us and, and our customers. And we felt that that was, uh, that that was really important then to have someone come in and really focus on that for mm-hmm. us. And, and you got that as, Kind of reflection from the positive execution of Apple, Do you, or, right? Yeah, or, yeah. For uh, well, not, yes and no on their execution, but their focus on it. Yeah. Their their focus on the user experience and if we're constantly tweaking it, whether they tweak it right or wrong, that you're 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 constantly playing with it. Um, interfaces evolve, people evolve, their their expectations evolve, and you need need to be able to to move around with them. And whether you get it right every time or not, you know, the <laughs> fact is that you you know that you that you keep uh, that you keep at it. And now by having that resource in house, we'll we'll be able to you know keep at it, learn from uh, learn from our mistakes, learn from our victories, and and keep moving. Okay. So then I guess, let me rephrase uh, my question. Are there other products or organizations um, that, uh, I I say that you think execute well, I know my premise is on prioritizing, um, Mm -hmm. but to me, if you do communication and prioritization, correctly and work hard at it, you can typically get to good execution. So do you, right. do you see, right. uh, you know, companies you work with or that you, you see out there in the industry that mm-hmm. they're doing a good job at executing, constantly improving their product in a kind of a positive way that. Right. Right. Um, it, I, Thinking about Google and and their recent change, um, I, I thought that was very interesting. And I think the way that they 
develop products and, and launch products is, is is interesting. It's kind of a, a new take on things where they'll put something out and just try it and, and see what happens. And, and some things stick and some things don't. Um, you know, Google Maps originally was was one of those. Oh, let's just let's just try this, and and you know, it's it's kind of the the de facto now for different things. Um, is, is Gmail still in beta? I, I have no idea. Perpetual beta. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and for for us as as a company, we use you know we use Gmail as our main company um email backbone so um it's it's that's an interesting way to to constantly evolve and and to constantly get get user feedback and and put products out there and 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 even things that are just far afield from from what you're doing today um i don't i don't think we have that that luxury to put self-driving cars out there as well as (laughs) voip and, and everything else um but it 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 is uh, yeah you know it is an interesting thought. Um, one of the the co-founders, John Reardon, uh, when back in early days, back in the mid '90s, John and I, um, John had started a internet service provider, and he brought me on to do sales and customer service for it. And um, we had a bunch of great apps at that time. We had this this. Uh, uh, Real time uh, text chatting app before um, before America Online was was around and before AOL chat was around, um, and so just it, it, all these things just kind of sort of made sense back in the day, and uh, we we always thought that we should spin some of those things out as their own their own little companies or their own little apps or something. It never really happened, and. Uh, John said, "Well, this time around with the with this company, we should we should start to do more of that. Um, we haven't spun them out as separate companies, but things like like Instaphone, um, which is you know our own web based WebRTC phone, a little afield from just running a PBX, but still at least it's you know it's in the same universe and it, and it makes sense and it's all tied in and." So spending more time and effort to, to really clean up and, and launch those types of uh, those types of uh, products and projects. But who who does it really, really well, communicates their vision, moves forward with their vision? I, I mean, still, I think App, Apple does that well. They, they've kind of tightened things up. Um, I moved from an Apple uh, MacBook Air to the MacBook Pro. Um, I, I originally liked the MacBook Air, but then I just I just needed more more power. My son just went off to college, yeah, and I, I got him a MacBook Pro. So, I, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. We'll see, we'll see. He's uh, he's pretty good at breaking stuff, though. Um, but I, I, I don't the 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 people that you know the. The things that we use as a company, Dell, um, Dell servers, Dell does a great job. We use Juniper routers. Mm. Um, Juniper has, has done a good job at just focusing on kind of their their core business and, and doing that really well. Um, I mean, for us, we're, we're involved with a, a, a 
a number of open source projects from the databases that we use to some of the switches that we use, um, uh, SIP, SIP based switches, um, that we use and so forth. So, um, and those are the open source has kind of the same, the same thing. We have our own open source project, SIPJS, and I know our engineers who, who run that spend a fair amount of time figuring out when, you know, when requests come in, all right, is this, you know, germane to the project? Is, is this something that's going to help the project move forward or is this just something off in left field and do we accept it into the main line and, and so forth? So maintaining that vision in, in open source is, is important and, and tough to do as well. And I, I think the, the open source projects that, that we're involved with, uh, like FreeSwitch um, and um, OpenSIPs, and uh, then our own SIPJS, I think we, I think they do a good job of kind of staying, staying on target and um, maintaining focus. Uh, but at the same time, moving forward is you have to, you have to continue to move forward once yeah. you get, you get stuck. Cool. I think it's the Jim Collins. Yeah, there we go. Ah, that's it. So the book is called Good to Great. Good to Great. Yeah. Good to Great by Jim Collins. It's upstairs. And yeah. uses walgreens as a as an example company so a highly phone highly honed focus um on uh on what the company is and how it works and so forth so we spent we spent probably a year as an executive team going through and arguing and baiting uh about what what our hedgehog actually is and it's a fun process and it's an interesting process uh and, and there's a lot of back and forth um and, but, uh, you know, when you, when you come out of it, the, the nice thing is when somebody comes to you with a, Hey, what about this product? You just mm-hmm. test that against the hedgehog and, and, and you get a, a yes, no pretty quickly. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah, that fits. Let's, let's put that on the list. Yeah, no, you know, that's, that's not what we're about. Let's, let's move that. Sorry. Move that off. So. Uh, and traditionally there's so more make- no than yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the more you yep. the more you know your your vision well and your product well, the more you'll say no. Unless, and I have seen this where the community base around a product has mostly synchronized with the vision of the product, so that the company mm-hmm. or the participants don't have to say no as often. But that seems extremely rare. Um, yeah. Yeah. possible but rare yeah. i guess right right so yeah yeah and then for us i mean the other thing is all the little all the little things i mean for a a whole new product like um call recording in acd queues means for the most part means a whole new server time means and then that means it needs to be able to go into our pod infrastructure which is both in new york and la and then an api on top of it we are rigidly focused on our API so that everything that comes out has an API layer. Uh, and then all the UI UX on, on top of that. So launching a new product is, it, you know, is, is uh, pretty expen- extensive, but then there's all the, all the little things like um, Panasonic came out with a, a new phone, the TGP 600 and getting that into our interface um, something like that can can get thrown into a, a two week sprint at some point and and get through the process pretty quickly. Um, 
making changes. Uh, we, we recently had a, an issue with something called ghost calls. Ghost calls mm-hmm. are people on the internet making calls directly to SIP phones. And so we went around to Polycom and Grandstream phones, which were Grandstream wasn't as susceptible. The Polycons were super susceptible to this and making changes just on the boot server, kind of behind the scenes. And that was something we could put in in, in about 24 hours. So we've got things that we can do in, in a 24-hour time frame, and then we've got things that we can do in kind of a, a two-week time frame. So differentiating between those <laughs> those two is, is fun and prioritizing, but yeah. Emergencies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, you don't necessarily see the... Uh, those ghost calls coming, they just happen and people start to call in. You're like, Oh no, let's see what we can do about it. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, that's it. And it was, it was weird this time. Most of the time with a, with a ghost call, they'll, they'll call the phone once or twice and hang on like, yep. Okay. I've got a phone here. I'll go and I'll, I'll attack it later. We cut down most of the, most of the attack vectors, but um, ghost calls just weren't, weren't really an issue. You'd get one or two and that was it. Um, whoever was doing this either had a setting wrong or something, but they were literally sending thousands of calls to hmm. these to these phones, just r- literally ringing off the hook. And they weren't going through us, so we couldn't stop them. We couldn't see them. Uh, they were going across the internet directly to these phones. So yeah, we were able to uh, to get the phones into a state where they would only accept calls from us. Um, and um or to to user usernames that they were registered to and then that that cleared it up which is good typically i found um it's called spit one point in time Mm -hmm. or maybe it's Mm -hmm. still called that i I, I got to the point where i found you know obviously don't answer it (laughs) don't don't immediately hang up (laughs) you know don't just disregard it because then they they track all that uh it ended up working out really well for me to just say over lunch hour or when I'm gone for the day, some, something that's going to yeah. hit their time period when they're checking, just unplug the phone. When I come back next mm-hmm. day, it's clean for however, however long until someone else tries another something. Yeah. And that, that seemed to work really well because they just get a dead end. And... Right. So we've, because of this this last round, we uh, we now at least internally differentiate between spit and ghost calls. So ghost calls are calls to an IP address and a port. Um, so they're just they they just try every IP address on the internet and they try port fifty sixty fifty sixty one and then they reverse it sixty fifty sixty fifty one. So they'll, they'll try a couple of the the main SIP ports. So if it's a call to an IP address and a port, um, the, the term for that is a ghost call. Now, mm-hmm. spit is kind of like spam where it's a, it's a SIP call to an actual SIP address. So somebody has your SIP address and they send you a call. Whether they're, um, now, for the, the reason for ghost calls is they can then go back to that IP address and then attack the phone, try to get into the web interface of the phone to get your mm-hmm. SIP credentials to then make calls on your dime. Um, with spit, we haven't seen as much spit, but it would be like telemarketers, mm-hmm. um, but but calling directly to your SIP address. Um, the good thing is with spit calls, they would go through on SIP. 
And so we'd be able to see those those calls and hopefully like like spam, we'd be able to do something about them and, and keep them from from getting to you in the first place. Yeah. So I, I know it was a while back, but the explanation I got out of it was um, they're not going through the network. They're actually uh, hitting. What was it? We started doing tracing from the location. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. The AT&T U-verse modems or whatever, that they would actually yep. dial into that and it would just try and find the first whatever phone. And so, when, of course, I'd trace it back down. It would it would say it was literally an internal IP, which didn't make any sense to me at the time. But <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm calling myself? Or, more, more of a, I guess it's more of a horror film type thing. The calls coming from inside right. your house. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, exactly. That, that seemed to address it for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And we and Polycoms actually the, the new VVXs actually had that problem early on. The touch screens were so sensitive that um uh, like little uh, electromagnetic interference, um, you would you would come in the next day and see two or three missed calls, um, where and the missed calls would be like two in the morning, three in the morning. Like who's calling me? And it was somebody else in the office because the touch screen was activating and usually hitting the whoever the first speed dial was. <laughs> so if you were Joe's speed dial, Joe's phone was calling you at two in the morning, three in the morning, and uh, because you were the first speed dial on his phone. And so the, the screens were a little bit too sensitive. So the, the new firmware seems to have uh, cleared that up. But that was that was one of those. It's, who's, who's calling me at three? <laughs> Why is Joe calling me at three in the morning? Thank you for listening. Show notes, links, and resources are available at NoPriorities.com. Help the show by subscribing, rating, and commenting in iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at NoPriorities. That's K-N-O-W Priorities. And once again, thank you for your time. I'm Randy Skopasek. Have a great day.